You're listening to Get Fed Today, one podcast designed to provide the Christian a hearty Bible study five days a week. While our mission is to showcase a variety of different Bible teachers, if you want to access more content from a particular pastor, simply listen to the end of the episode for additional information. On behalf of the entire team at Get Fed Today, it is our prayer that today's episode encourages your growth in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of my favorite stories in the Bible I want to start with, Numbers uh, chapter 13. This is the story of the children of Israel uh, coming up to the border of the land that God had promised to them, and they wanted to get an understanding of, of the land. They were, they were going to be sent into the land, uh, and, and there were people living in the land, and they wanted to make an assessment of how difficult will this task be? What will we um, be facing? The, what challenges? Uh, what does it look like? Bring us back some in, intel on the place. So they, they chose a guy from every one of the 12 tribes. So they sent out 12 spies. So you think of the, that as a selection process, your whole extended family, amongst the bigger extended family, but you're part of the extended family, like which guy are you gonna pick to send? So you're probably choosing the, the rugged, uh, strong guy, you could drop him anywhere, he's gonna be able to hang with the situation. And, and the guys are there for 40 days and they come back and they've got a big pole a couple of the guys have a gigantic cluster of grapes that they just found growing wild and they had pomegranates and uh, figs with them and they came back let's pick up in verse 26 uh, they departed they came back to uh, Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran uh, at Kadesh and they they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land and they told him we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. And then verse 28. Nevertheless, there's always going to be an obstacle to faith. There's a promise of God. There's the, the work that God wants to do. And then almost always there's going to be a but, you know, however, uh, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. So there were this legendary group of people that were abnormally large, they were just bigger than everybody else. And uh, they saw some of those guys and uh, they, they traveled throughout the land. And then verse 30, and people may be seeing the fruit and hearing the positive report and then sort of looking and seeing and hearing now about the negative. And Caleb then quiets the people down in verse 30. And he says, let us go up at once and take possession. We are well able to overcome it. So one guy seeing all of it, the fortified cities, super big dudes, uh, the, peop the, the different groups in the different places. Uh, and he said, God's given us a promise, man. Like it's time, we need to just go do it. And verse 31, and this is a familiar story, so you know it. Uh, the man who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than we are. Now, is that true or not true? It's true. Here's the thing you need to know about your lack of faith. It's very reasonable. Do you understand what I, what I mean when I say that? If you were going to stick with your reason, 
you'll talk yourself out of every good thing that God will ever call you to do. And you probably actually are being wise. Don't teach Sunday school class. You got no business being in there with those kids. Not someone like you and your past. Uh, they should stay away from someone like you. They don't need to learn anything from you. Uh, an usher, you of all people, some, one of your old friends will come to the church and see you out front, they just drive away. Uh, you know, you shouldn't sign up for anything. Uh, don't teach a class, don't help anyone, don't go to the jail. Uh, you know, they might welcome you back. Oh, hey, long time no see you. You got, you got your, you know. You have to remember, I, I, I joke about, I joke when I, I say this uh, sometimes, I, I don't really actually think it's a joke. I actually think it's true. I think that my lack of faith and my, my, my great ability to be overcome by fear so quickly is a sign of my superior intelligence. I mean, I can look at a situation and go, that plus that plus that equals this, that's bad for me, I'm out of here. Like, that's a sign that I'm able to just put things together, see what they result in and make a good decision. Now, the problem with that is uh, so often I'm not putting all the factors together, I'm leaving something out. Like what has God said? Who is God and what has he said? But if I look at any situation based upon me or my ability or what I think may or may not, I might be able to envision happening. Well, I can't envision that happening at all. So therefore it can't happen. Then no, 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 no. If God said it, it doesn't matter if I can envision it. It doesn't matter if I can even conceive of it in the remotest part of my mind with, with some crazy, like, well, maybe if this happened and that happened, but that would never happen. Like if I won the lottery and then had a rich uncle and he died and then that happened and that happened, then it still couldn't happen. You know, sometimes God says things and it's challenging even to uh, our imagination because the Bible says God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could ask or imagine. So we know that the limit is not our imagination. The limit is beyond our imagination. The limit is not what we can pray for. The limit's even what we don't even, we would never even be audacious enough to ask for something like that. We think, well, Lord, if you could just let us do one thing, I'd be fine. And then the Lord's like, well, I don't want it. You, you, okay, I'll let you do the one thing, but I'm going to open the door and the river's going to start to flow and the avalanche is going to start to come. So you better start running because I'm doing something and you get to be part of it. So, you know, when they say we're not able to do it, there's a sense in which that's true. Caleb, when he says we are able to do it, there's another sense in which that is true. And the difference between the two is one person's thinking about what God has said and who God is, and the other person is thinking about their own natural ability. So the tragic part of the story, verse 32, they gave a bad report uh, to the children of Israel. And they said, look, the land through which we've gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. And we saw the giants there and the descendants of Anak that came from the giants. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. These guys, they, we were like bugs. These guys will just squish us. There's nothing we can do. So chapter 14, all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. The people wept that night and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said, if we only died in the land of Egypt. I mean, that's one of the saddest, uh, disturbing statements in the whole Bible. 
I would rather die in Egypt. I tell you what, I'd rather die in the promised land fighting a giant than stick around in Pharaoh land. <laughs> they were slaves. They were oppressed. They were crying out for God to deliver them. God sent a deliverer. God delivered them with an outstretched arm and 10 plagues and dominated over every God that the Egyptians had and showed who he was. And God brought them out. And they're like, well, we, we should have just stayed there. It'd be better if only we had died in the land of Egypt. If only we had died in this wilderness. Well, they're going to get that chance. And then verse 3, they say, Why has the Lord brought, brought, this land, brought us to this land to fall by the sword? That our, and they're worried about their kids, that our wives and our children should become victims. They, they really, the best thing for their kids would be for them to live by faith and the kids are going to be fine, actually. They'll enter the land, but this generation uh, is going to not go in. And so they, uh, they respond this way, and uh, they, they discourage the people. Moses and Aaron, they fall on their faces. In verse 6, Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, they tore their clothes. They spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel and said, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. They are our bread. Their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. It's a great speech. Look at verse 10. All the congregations said to stone them with stones. It's a halftime speech. Didn't go over very well. It's like, well, I'm not going back out there. We're getting beat. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. So God intervenes. And, and then he, he, you guys know the story. He pronounces a judgment on the people. Uh, in chapter 14, if you jump down to... Uh, Verse 29 is God's pronouncing this judgment on that generation. Verse 29, he says, The carcasses of you who have complained against me will fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. You shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. That's a heavy penalty. So the, the journey from where they were at Mount Horeb up to Kadesh Barnea where they send in the spies. So the journey to the promised land is a 10-day journey. And how long did it take them? 40 years altogether. Two, well, two years at the mountain and then they go 10-day journeys, 38 more years. They're wandering around in the wilderness and they're wandering around because God said, all you guys who didn't want to do this, you're not going to do it then. And everybody that's over 20 years old, uh, when you're all dead, then uh, the, all the young generation that's coming up, they're going to go in. And uh, Joshua and Caleb will lead them. Now, what happens to Moses? Does Moses go into the promised land? No. Remember, he strikes the rock and uh, he's buried in the mountains of Jordan. He, God let him see it, at least. I hope it was a clear day. You know, uh, if, you, if you travel to Israel, I, I think we're having our Israel tour next year. We'll pray for a clear day. Sometimes it's clear, sometimes it's not so clear. 
Hopefully Moses had a clear day. He could stand up on Mount Nebo and God showed him the land. He could see the backside of the mountains of Judea. And that's the land. That's the place. That's where Abraham was. That's the land. The people are going in. But Moses didn't go in. He was buried. Uh, he, he died and God buried, his, buried him. You remember that? It's part of the story. And so no one knows where his grave is. So Moses buried there outside of the land. So Moses doesn't go in. And Joshua and Caleb go in. And they, they're great heroes. They stand uh, by, in faith against a whole mob of unbelievers uh, and say, we're going to trust the Lord. We should do what God told us to do. Let's do it now. And, and then later, it's inspiring, especially for all of you guys that are over 80. Uh, <laughs> Caleb is your guy. I mean, this guy is the guy you want leading the uh, 50s plus group. Because when he's 85 years old, he says, give me my mountain. He said, I'm just as strong now as I was when I was 40. 85-year-old guy. Well, my strength is now as it was then. He's, he was trusting in the Lord then. He's trusting in the Lord now. He hasn't, his physical body may have changed, but his, his source of strength is the same. And he knows that at 85 years old, if he goes and takes Hebron and, and it becomes God's land and, and they're able to take it and wipe these giants out. It gives God more glory that an 85-year-old dude did it. So uh, he's a hero to us. And I've always thought about these guys. This is the intro, by the way, to the Bible study. This isn't the Bible study yet. <laughs> I'm trying to set the stage. So just in case you start wondering, like, where is he going now? Because I wasn't ready for something else. So uh, I hope that I didn't whet your appetite for Italian food and then we're going to have Mexican food. Or, like I, I'm, I'm going to make a big turn here. I've always loved Joshua and Caleb. Uh, they're, they're inspiring. They're great examples. It's just a fantastic story. Um, and I've always, I don't think I've said this many, many times, you know, Joshua and Caleb are the only two that went into the land. There's actually, I was reminded uh, just this last week, there's a third person that was over 20 years old that w actually went into the land. It's not Moses, because Moses died and was buried. There's a third person that went into the land. Do you remember who it is? His, his name is Joseph. He's a little over 20. He's, he's about 400. Joseph went into the land, dead. He's a dead guy. He was a mummy. He was an Egyptian mummy. They carried a mummy for 40 years in the wilderness. Do you remember the story? Let's look at a couple of things. It's in the Bible. I told you we we're going to look at the Bible, so don't get off. I heard like some, no. Like, hey, hey, hey. It's in the Bible. Let's look at two promises first so we can base uh, Joseph's uh, statement here. Genesis 15. Go back to the call or the blessing of Abraham. Abraham believes God and God counts it to him for righteousness in Genesis 15. It's such an important chapter in understanding the work of redemption. He's declared righteous before there's circumcision. He's declared righteous before God makes a covenant with him. God gives him a promise and a calling in chapter 12. God makes a covenant with him in, uh, at the end of chapter 15. Uh, he believes God and it's counted to him for righteousness at the beginning of chapter 15, which is awesome. Uh, 
But when God speaks to him about this promise and God makes this covenant with him and they sign the covenant, the, the animals are cut in half there in the middle of chapter 15. But God tells him this in verse 13. Then he said to Abram, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they will come out with great possessions. As for you, now you shall go to your fathers in peace and you'll be buried at a good old age. So in speaking to Abram about what would happen in his, to his descendants, when they, that they're gonna become a great nation and they're gonna go into another land, it's not their land, and they're gonna be treated horribly and it's gonna last for hundreds of years, but I will bring them out of the land. That's a promise God gave to Abraham. So when Caleb says, look, we can take these guys, it's not a blind faith, it's not bravado, he's not like a Clint Eastwood or you know a Rambo character, he's, or he's just one of these He's just an adrenaline junkie and he wants to fight or something. He's got PTSD from being beaten up by the Egyptians. He's got a promise of God to his fathers of what God said he would do. And God's done the thing and he's seen it with his own eyes. And he knows this is what God said and this is what God's going to do. We get to be the generation that gets to be doing what God said he would do. So there's that promise. There's also a promise that was given to Jacob before Jacob goes into the land. So turn to Genesis chapter 46. And uh, this is a long, complicated story. Uh, we won't get into the details of it, but Joseph uh, is sold into slavery. One of the sons of Jacob, he ends up in, in Egypt. He ends up coming to, to the you know second in command in all of Egypt. There's a great famine and the net result is the, the Jewish family, it's just Jacob and his sons, his grandchildren, there's 70 of them all together. They're gonna journey and stay in Egypt. This is when they go into the land. This is the beginning of what God told Abram would happen. It's gonna last for 400 years. And so before Jacob goes, God speaks to him. In Genesis 46, verse four, uh, well, actually verse three, let's, let's start there. He, he, he said, God said, I am God, the God of your father, do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make of you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again. And Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. He's a very old man at this point. He hasn't seen Joseph for many years, and he loves Joseph. So there's some tender father-son thing happening there, but then there's a promise. You're, don't be afraid to go. You're going to become a nation in Egypt, and I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. So Abraham has a promise, Jacob has a promise. And then when uh, they're there and Jacob dies and we're coming to the end of the story, turn to Genesis chapter 50. Joseph has been restored to his brothers. They're the ones that sold him into slavery. It's a very interesting story. If you've never read it, uh, I would encourage you to read it. You'll be surprised that it's in the Bible. Uh, most of Genesis is quite surprising that it's in the Bible. There's the man who sleeps with his daughter-in-law and gets her pregnant, but it's okay because she's in the lineage of Jesus. I mean, there's a lot of, some people look at it. You guys need to read Genesis. It's a great book. You share it with the guys at work. Go, man, I've been reading this crazy book. Really, oh, let me tell you a couple of things that happened. These do, like, 
Like, what, what's that? Oh, it's in the Bible, bro. It's an awesome book. Very honest. There's no Avengers in, in uh, there's no fake heroes here, okay? This is, the, this is the real deal. These are human beings. There's only one hero in the Bible, is Jesus. Uh, the rest of these guys are, are like us. So uh, Joseph is coming to the end of his life in verse 24, the last verses of Genesis. Joseph said to his brethren, I'm dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Here's a guy who was going through tremendous suffering. He was sold as a slave, rejected by his brothers. He was in slavery. He was falsely accused of rape. And he had done nothing but be faithful to the person he was serving. And the guy's wife was very immoral. She's trying to seduce him. He, he remains faithful. She puts out a false rape charge. He ends up going into prison. He's in prison for years. He, he then interprets a guy's dream and says, listen, the guy's a high government official. When you get out, make sure you talk to Pharaoh. Get me out of here. Get me a pardon. Get me, do something. Get me out of here. I don't deserve to be here. I don't belong here. This isn't my place. And, and that's really interesting because it says when the guy gets out, it says he forgot him. And then it says it came to pass after two full years. This guy's in prison wondering, what has happened? And it becomes really obvious because he's one of the godliest people that we, that we meet in the Bible. Uh, he, like Daniel, almost nothing is negative uh, that's said about Joseph. He's a godly, godly man. And when he, when he does speak, you can see that he has this wonderful confidence in the promises that God's made to his fathers. And he says it here, he's, he's on his deathbed. God made a promise to our fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. That's our heritage. That's our identity. I don't get my identity from my culture. I don't need my culture to tell me what marriage is <laughs> or how to raise a family. I don't, I don't look at my culture to tell me what a man is or how to be a man. I'm going to go to my heritage, the promises of God, the identity that I get from the scripture will, will instruct me and teach me in the way that I should go. Joseph was able to hang on to his faith and be a godly man in a godless place. The Egyptians worshiped everything, flies, frogs, bugs. Every, every bug that they knew about, they worshiped as a god. They, they, that's why there's 10 plagues, because God had tried to cover as many of their gods as he could. It's, a, it's literally a contest between God and all their gods. See if your God's more powerful than our God. Here comes your frogs. See if you can get rid of them. And you open the cupboard and frogs are, the mixing bowl of frogs are there. They're in your bed. They're like, oh, oh God of the frogs, take Kermit. Oh, Kermit, holy Kermit, take them away. And they're everywhere. And then Moses says, God will remove them. And then they're removed. And 10 of these plagues, finally their highest God, to whom belonged the firstborn. And God said, I'm taking the firstborn. There's a way of escape. If you'd like to escape the judgment that's coming, then you need to apply the blood of the lamb. Which, by the way, if you're here, we want to warn you about a judgment that's coming. If you'd like to escape it, it's coming for everyone. It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. The soul that sins, it shall surely die. We're all going to face that judgment. There's one way of escape. You apply the blood of the lamb. 
Jesus of Nazareth, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He died on a cross and he rose from the dead. And you can have eternal life by believing in Jesus. He gives eternal life as a free gift. So God was even presenting a picture of what would come in the future as a Passover would happen, a rescue as the angel of death would come, he would pass over the place where he saw the blood. So uh, they, had, they had seen all of these things and yet in Caleb and Joshua's day, this is the generation that lived through that. They saw that and they came to the land and then they saw the obstacles and they saw the enemies and they thought of themselves and they thought, we can't do this. And Joseph's of a different kind. Joseph is living 400 years before it even happens. And he said, it's coming. God told our father, God told Abraham, we were coming here. God told Abraham, we're going to be here for 400 years. That day's coming. It's going to come in 400 years, fellas. <laughs> I'm not going to see it. I'm going to be dead for centuries. They won't, you, you, unless you write about me, I won't even be remembered. But God's going to keep his promise and so looking back at this passage, he says in verse 25, the end of Genesis 50, Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. And so Joseph died being 110 years old and then they embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. So the Egyptians are really good at, uh, at, uh, embalming people and, and uh, making coffins and all of that. So he's in the right place if you want to be preserved. So, so they leave. Uh, turn to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13. Verse 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. And then turn all the way forward to Joshua chapter 24. Coming to the end of Joshua. Joshua chapter 24, verse 32. The bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel had brought up out of Egypt, they buried at Shechem in the plot of ground which Jacob had brought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for 100 pieces of silver, uh, and which had become an inheritance of the children of Joseph. So when they went in and took the land, the inheritance that belonged to his descendants, actually that's, there were two pieces of land that the patriarchs bought in the promised land. One was the cave of Machpelah, which is in Hebron, which Abraham bought as a burial place where Abraham and Sarah are buried, Isaac and Rebekah are buried, and Jacob and Leah are buried there. There was another piece of land when uh, Jacob came back from his crazy uncle and that whole uh, getting four wives for the price of two wives one he should have had one wife he ended up with four and he was there a long time and it's drama but when he comes back in Shechem he bought a piece of land the only two pieces of land that they owned and they and what the place that he bought actually turns into where the allotment that belongs falls to Joseph and they bury Joseph there he, so Caleb and Joshua and the mummy Joseph there were three that were over 20 years old. <laughs> you can say, Rich, that, that's the technicality. I think if you're dead, you don't count. 
I think it counts. Um, I don't know how to apply this to your life. Uh, I don't have like a nice three-point thing of uh, what you should do differently or... Uh, but I, I want to just speak to you, uh, one believer to another believer. Whose example do you want to follow? Reuben didn't say anything about his body. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't have a sense of the destiny of his nation. He didn't have a sense of who he was or what he was doing. He, there's no mention that they carried his bones out. Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Gad, Naphtali, Dan, any of his brothers. None of those guys said, our great-grandfather lived in Ur of the Chaldees and God appeared to him and told him, Abram, I'm going to make of you a great nation and we are the living proof of what God did. That guy was, a my great-grandfather was 100 years old when my grandfather was born. And my grandfather received the same promise as my great-grandfather and my crazy dad nearly ruined the thing, but God somehow was merciful. And, uh, and my weird uncle, who's all hairy and red, who lives down uh, in the bush, uh, I mean, you know, they got, they got a lot of family history and drama, like all of us might have. But none of those other guys ha had a sense of their identity or their calling or their mission or their purpose. And he was not going to see any of it. But he believed in it. I don't know what kind of trials you're going through. I know that many times as believers, we go through difficult trials and we sometimes don't see the victory that we want to see. Uh, you know, if there's a point where you, you get old enough and then, you, you know, maybe you, your siblings die, your parents have died and your siblings have died. If you live long enough, God forbid, you'll, maybe you'll outlive your children. No one wants to have that happen. And, and, and you, could, you could have a situation where, you, you know, this person has cancer and you have young children and, and the young mom, uh, the eight-year-old and a 10-year-old, and, and the cancer comes on quick and then she's gone. And then, then, then the dad has to figure out, well, how do we go through this? How do we get through the teenage years? And uh, we have a wedding coming up of a family just like that. Now the, the eight-year-old is now, I think, about 23 years old, and she's getting married. And I still remember sitting in the hospital with her mom, I don't know, however many, you know, almost 20 years ago now, and, and the mom just crying, saying, I just don't want my kids to struggle in their relationship with the Lord because of the things that I went through. And, and, and they've struggled they struggled. It's hard. We have to have a long-term view of the promises of God, don't we? And boy, this guy, <laughs> that's a long-term view. It's not going to happen for 400 years, but I tell you what, it's going to happen. And when it happens, you make sure you don't leave me in Egypt. What did the mixed multitude say? We'd rather be in Egypt. It'd be better to die in Egypt. What did Joseph say? Swear to God that you won't leave me here. I don't belong in Egypt. I don't know what to tell you specifically to do, but do something. <laughs> Let it grab your heart who you are as a follower of Jesus Christ. We're not Republicans or Democrats. We're not having a policy discussion about the Second Amendment. We're not trying to sort out what our president tweeted. 
I hope, I don't know, I haven't looked. I mean, I, that's not our message. We're the children of Abraham by faith. Abraham believed God and it was counted him for righteousness. He was uncircumcised and there was no law of Moses. There was no priesthood. His name wasn't even Abraham yet. <laughs> he didn't have a kid. He had a promise and God showed him the stars and said, so shall thy seed be, seed singular. And he believed God and God counted it to him for righteousness. And you believed God and God counted it to you for righteousness. And you were saved apart from the law. You were saved not because of a covenant relationship through Israel. You were saved because of your faith in the seed that God would bring, that God had promised Abraham. That seed is Jesus Christ. And I think about something that would be in the heart of a man that would make him say, you can't leave my body in Egypt. In 400 years, and surely it will come, God's going to send someone and you guys are going to leave. Don't leave me here. Take me with you. And there, you know, his gener of his generation, no one else came. <laughs> but Joshua and Caleb's generation, who else came? In our generation, you're living at a unique time. The United States is in a unique situation. We're facing unique challenges. The world's a different place. It's changing rapidly. There, there are things that, that are happening that seem to be beyond our ability to uh, forecast where they'll end. You know, courses of action are being chosen uh, by, our, by our culture, not the whole culture, but a big part of it. And there's an energy and, and old landmarks are being moved and we're taking a course of action. And we you think, where, what, listen, you got the promises of God. We need to be a Joshua and a Caleb and I would suggest there's a third person that went into the land that was over 20. The really old guy. The guy who was 400 years old. <laughs> they carried a mummy around for 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Do you think that would have a message? Do you think the mummy would be speaking to you? He'd look at it and go, it's your turn to carry it. My kids are freaked out by the mummy. I don't want it in my tent. You carry it for a while. I had it last month. <laughs> 40 years, someone's hauling a mummy. They're pretty cool, right? You've seen them, probably seen the, I don't know if it was probably like King Tut, probably wasn't all wealthy like that, but they carried it everywhere. And what's the, what's the mummy saying? God's gonna keep his promises, man. Don't stop believing. God's gonna keep his promises. We're living it. God's going to keep his promises. Let's keep going for it. And though he's dead, he still speaks. Though he's dead, he still speaks. Thank you for listening to Get Fed Today. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Rich Chafin. If you enjoy the message, you can access more of Pastor Rich's teaching ministry by visiting cclc.org.